Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, you guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. How are we doing to this evening? I'm doing lovely. Welcome, everybody, to the Good Bottle Podcast. That felt wrong. What the fuck's up, everybody? I need more energy, man. I, I like. I was trying to come in with like that daily vibe, and it just did fuck me all up. Hey, let's crack it. Let's do this damn thing, Drew. How are you, buddy? <laughs> are you talking about like the New York Times Daily, like their podcast? I, yeah, yeah, that's right. I I had to stop. I had to stop listening to that one because it was so depressing. Like every day, like it, you know, and it was and it was during the height of the election, so it was just you know, it was just mudslinging so back and forth, but. Um, I've been much happier since I stopped listening. It is a great show. So if anybody does like news stories, like they do an exceptional job, but it is, it is also, you know, it's the news. So it's heartbreaking constantly. Um, but I'm doing really good. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still buzzing from, from last week's show. If you, if you guys haven't listened yet, go and go and listen to Johnny from uh, whiskey and donuts, uh, so talk much with fun. us and talk about it. I mean, he was just, he was the best and, um, you know, and, and, I don't know. I mean, what, what's a better pairing? Whiskey and donuts. I mean, come on. It's it, it's great. And you kind of get some of the insider baseball from him as well, uh, as well as his dope follow. His like his dope follow has really paid off for me this week. Like the guy that he recommended that photographer is just like the coolest. So um, so it was it was really awesome. But I, I'm I'm equally as excited uh, about this week's guest. And, you know, there's there's something that that I do pretty often where if I'm like really into something, I'll be like, I'm like, that's like, that's fucking metal. Like I just, that's how I describe a lot of things. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's super cool. And I want people to kind of get the vibe that I'm going for. And our guest tonight took that. And I think he went above and beyond the call of duty of, of making things metal. And he created a magazine that takes heavy metal music and combines it with the world of wine. Our, our guest tonight is Stacy Buchanan of the blood of God zine. Which is a magazine dedicated to bringing those two things together. Stacy, thank you so much for joining us. What a fucking amazing concept. First question is, what are you drinking? Second question is, how did these two amazing things come together for you in your head? And why did you make it into a magazine? <laughs> uh, the first question, what am I drinking? I, I had the bottle. Um, it went into the garbage accidentally and I, I tried to rescue it, but it just had some funkiness on it, so I don't have it to show you, but you're probably <laughs> familiar. And I'm the Johnny come lately on it. It's um, from this producer in Oregon called Ovum, and they have this um, well-known white wine called Big Salt. And it's a white wine. Um, it's a blend, and I can't remember what all the varietals in it. Basically, I think it's a Chardonnay base, but uh, true to its name, it's got kind of this uh, salinity to it, uh, very bright. And I kept seeing it in different wine shops. I kept seeing people on Instagram talking about uh, this wine. And it was also intriguing because the price point was really affordable. I think it was like 15 to $20 range. It wasn't very expensive. And um, finally got to enjoy it last night. I had some uh, some Indian food and it was just what the doctor ordered. So that's that's what I'm drinking. And it definitely uh, surprised me. I was had good expectations, but it surprised me. So I was very excited about it. Nice, nice. Okay, um, and so now, and then wine, wine and metal music, heavy metal music coming together. Yeah. Tell us, tell <laughs> us about it. Well, I guess the 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 genesis of the story was I I was always kind of like into you know metal and hard you know rock when I was a kid. I had a couple uh, uncles and an older brother, and they were like way into Kiss. Um, you know, there was loud riffs ever since i was a little kid they partied really hard and i think the next the next the natural evolution is just to go more extreme like heavier and faster and louder and weirder and just push push the boundary in any direction in every direction um and i got really good at um writing when i was in high school like some uh you know encouragement from some teachers probably gave me a little gas uh in my tank and I started writing for some um, small publications at the time, but what was fun and what was neat is, uh, and this is like in the late nineties, I want to say mid late nineties. Um, 
I befriended this guy. Um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to reverse engineer this reveal. So it actually like sounds cool. Um, <laughs> so he, he was managing a band that was unsigned at the time. Um, and he knew I had been writing for a couple magazines. They weren't real big ones, but they were at least big enough that they were on shelves. And he, uh, you know, sent me their demo, said if I could review it and try to help get some publicity. And I said, yeah, sure. That's great. Um, I really liked it. It was cool. And subsequent to that, he was starting this um, promotional marketing company and um, it started to take off. And the band that he uh, manage was this uh, band a lot of people are probably familiar with now. It's called System of a Down. So they, um, you know, I think they've won like Grammys and got multi platinum records and stuff. So they went really huge. And so he and I um, kind of got acquainted with each other sort of before that roller coaster took off. Um, and it kind of led me down the road deeper in the music industry. Um, I toured uh, on Ozfest in 2000 and 2001, which is pretty wild because I was. 20 years old i think at the time i think i turned 21 um and that was when pantera was still together they were on that tour which is kind of crazy to think about um and started writing for bigger magazines like uh thrasher and alternative press and kind of things are still building in that way for me i was managing to somehow go to college at the same time and then i uh uh, wound up taking a job at Century Media Records uh, down in Los Angeles, where I worked there for a few years. Um, and this was in like the mid 2000s when they were, I think, um, I mean, and they're still kind of a powerhouse, but especially I think at that time. Um, and I then was promoted, took a job at their German office where I lived for about a year and a half. Uh, so unbeknownst to me, at that same time, my hometown of Walla Walla was turning into this burgeoning wine region um and when i came back from you know short version getting kind of a little burnt out on the music industry um came back to this really small town that i grew up in and all of a sudden there's like amazing restaurants and there's wineries everywhere and i'm thinking like what's going on where like everyone's a wino now what what is <laughs> what's happening like it you know it was really like kind of took me by surprise but it was really cool to see like oh it actually had enriched it and in terms of culture and in terms of personality and you know it was sort of kind of kitschy and anecdotal where i was like oh man this is like this rock star winemaker there's actually rock star rock stars in music and then hearing the pros and cons of working with distributors and how they could like make or break your band and they could make or break your you know your cd being on an end cap or whatever and reviewers and media habits and fans and all this stuff it was just like too many parallels. I was like, this is kind of funny. But then the more it just kept hitting me in the face, I'm like, this isn't even funny. This is like startling almost how um, the the two scenes had a lot of um, tit for tat between both of them. And I think the aesthetics people get hung up on a lot. You know, wine is like really highfalutin and we're all wearing a monocle or some shit. And the... <laughs> you know, denim and leather and bullet belts of the heavy metal is like their knuckle dragging crow magnums or something. And in reality, and this kind of came up in an interview in one of my first issues is that, that, that really geeky um, obsessiveness that like metalheads and like, you know, big fans of wine have is like that appreciation of like the craft, you know, like that, that craft that goes into it. And it's not limited to that, but that's like kind of the, simplest distillation that i kind of had and so i started blood of gods as kind of just a creative itch i was scratching because i thought oh this is kind of funny right ha 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 like and it was one of those age-old things that you know the joke stopped um being funny and was actually a little bit more serious and not to say it wasn't fun because there was still tons of fun in it but it also had some heart and you know observations and things and so now it's kind of I just released my fourth issue and it's kind of like grown out of being this, um, I don't know, like how to say it without trying to denigrate it, but, uh, it used to be just a little bit more whimsical, I guess. And now it's kind of like grown, uh, from that. Well, I think that, I think that's kind of like the natural order of things, right. Is that you, you know, it starts as this passion project, but then, you know, you, you set expectations for yourself unbeknownst to you. 
right? Where you're kind of like, you're like, okay, now yeah. I have this fan base who it's kind of clamoring for more. And one of the things that we were talking about before we went live with the recording is, you know, you're kind of like the puppet master now, right? And like, you're, you're coordinating all these different things <laughs> and you're bringing all these different people together and they're giving, you know, they're, they're breaking down like really cool wines that they're working with. Like they're, they're breaking down really cool pairings. And of course, what kind of music that they're listening to and all this different stuff. And it's, it's fun to see it. And I don't, I don't recall the first issue that, that I saw. Cause Chris, you introduced this to me and you were like, this is amazing. You got to check this out. And then now you do carry it in the store as well. So our listeners can go in there and pick up, pick up, uh, you know, the, the most recent issue. But Chris, how did you find um, the blood of gods? And it's, I mean, and what, what was the thing that initially jumped out to you about what kind of made it badass and all that fun stuff? Uh, yeah, I want to know. The, so I, I, I found it through Instagram, um, just, just sort of searching through, um, and, and my compulsion to find, uh, like slightly more interesting, a little bit more esoteric, uh, creators, you know, that, that, that are just putting, putting content out, um, and especially in the wine world, you know, like trying to lean as far away from Robert Parker as I can and find people who are, um, or like sort of just just paving their own path, right? Um, and, mm-hmm. and so, just for our listeners, who's Robert Parker? Who, who, Robert, can you... <laughs> uh, Robert Parker is just an old, old school wine critic, and his um, his ratings um, make and break. He invent, yeah, they invented the hundred point scale. Yeah, so so he's mm-hmm. the man for our listeners at home. Everybody, he's. <laughs> quote unquote the man okay yeah sorry, you know Chris, and i don't, go, I don't know if it. he's even doing the ratings anymore he's probably got like a whole staff of people who are doing all the ratings for him now and he gets to just sit back yeah. and enjoy wine but they all they all you know that's the reason you know napa cabs are huge and oaky right is because you know one of the one of the few hundred point robert parker wines early yeah. on in in like what, the 80s or 90s was this like huge oak bomb of a of a napa cab and so now Napa, everything in Napa is is this giant oak. Um, yeah. Uh, just red wines, you know. Uh, anyway, I digress. <clears throat> um, but uh, uh, I, I reached out, I think, through Instagram, too, and was trying to figure out, or I found a, or through Instagram, I found the Blood of God's website, and I ordered, I ordered um, uh, edition two and edition three, I believe. And I just, like, oh, cool. I, I was blown away. I just, I loved it. I, every, everything <laughs> about it, man. Cause it's, you know, at good bottle, everything that we do is, is about being approachable about having fun, you know, everything from the aesthetics to what we carry. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not, I don't, we don't like making money, I guess. So we don't carry a lot of the big brands, but we, uh, we <laughs> really, we really like, having a story and like making people feel comfortable and like they're having fun and they can, they can approach us and talk to us about anything and everything. Um, and so when well, I, I think saw... that's important because that's kind of what you're, I think that's everyone's job is to sort of be that. And that goes back to, you know, what you were saying, Drew about, uh, you know, kind of following that trail of breadcrumbs in a way where you're, you know, this thing that was just sort of funny has turned into a serious thing. And I talked about, when I, you know, work in the wine industry, people will joke about making wine in their garage. And I'm like, careful, because you're probably going to have a winery in a year or two, you know, because that's kind of <laughs> how it starts. And, you know, when people, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, work in wine shops, you know, I think that everyone's job is to sort of be insatiable in a way. And I going back to that's why I think metalheads and vino heads are like, kind of similar is because they are insatiable they're always looking for like that new discovery they're always searching and it's always like you know chasing that dragon in a way so i mean having wine shops is you know like so important and serves such a great you know function for people yeah i i totally agree i mean and this is i mean you know the the listeners will know it's like my my background and my strengths are are definitely in spirits right and um for sure over the course of this uh of this podcast and and but really kind of over you know the the start of 2020 even before COVID got into it like i was like okay i really want to step up you know my game in terms of uh 
you know, drinking wines and, and not going and getting like the grocery store stuff, but like going to these wine shops and stuff. And, and obviously having like, you know, Chris kind of being a leader for that for me. Um, and then other places like, you know, CV wine spirits up here in Northern California and uh, Newcastle wine shop, like these, these people and these pals that have like this really, you know, they really have it dialed in. And it's like, and you start to learn, you're like, wow, like it doesn't have to taste like this. It can be totally different. Like I just recently had the experience of like really tasting good Burgundian Pinot Noir and then comparing mm-hmm. it to California Pinot Noir and then immediately being pissed off that we call it the same thing. You know, like <laughs> I just was like, like what is happening right now? Um, speaking of that, Chris, uh, Chris, what are you sipping on right now? So the the wine that I'm sipping on, I actually got from, from Blood of Gods Editions uh, uh, 3. Uh, it was, I think it was the, the, the primary story or, uh, focus, uh, of the edition. And it's, um, uh, Diego Lasada's uh, Lacenda, uh, the La Barbacana. Oh, cool. This, yeah. uh, this wine is fantastic. It's wild. It is, it's got a lot of like tension in the wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't really know how to describe tension in wine other than just tension in wine. Like when you're drinking it, there's this, um. I don't know, like this, this, it, a lot of un unreleased energy, which is just, yeah, it's like electric fantastic. or something <laughs> screams over your palate. Um, the grapes in here are, uh, fire, man. Like they, they just, they, they've got like a little bit of bitter, a little bit of juicy, a ton of acid on it. Um, this, this wine is just screaming and I, I, I fallen in love with it. And it's just another reason why why I love Blood of Gods uh, magazine, man, because they've just introduced me to so many so many new things that like I I just get to find through somebody else's focus. It's not just my my reps bringing me bringing me wines, and my reps bring me dope wines too. But every once in a while, you get to like find something that's just outside of the norm and outside of a normal book. And it just it just kind of mm-hmm. like opens your world just a little bit more. I feel like you being at a wine shop is kind of like someone making you a mixtape versus like you just turn on the radio or you turn on pandora where it's just like um because i feel like with a mixtape it's more intentional i feel it's more curated and i feel like with you know that's i i could never stand when there was pandora on at my old job because it was just like machine algorithm stuff that couldn't really read the room and didn't really know is it you know you just open and it's like 10 11 a.m or you got like a bus load of people that just came in or you know it just is like so sterile and it felt so like paint by the numbers you snap your fingers to the rhythm and so like (laughs) when i you know really like something you know that's why going back to what we said at the beginning like you know you guys with your podcast and if something can have some longevity you know just i feel like it deepens its its value and it kind of like solidifies its its pedigree or its reputation because then you can kind of know like um what to expect and to kind of put some some credence into a review or just a plug and not just say oh that person i don't know just is getting some kind of kickback from someone or is just reading the big mags and just regurgitating whatever's in them yeah i think that's that's like the one thing that 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 you can say is that we have you know this extensive library of minimum hour long conversations of just things of me and me and Chris have talked about over the past three years. And, and I actually had one, one of our listeners come up to me this week and it was like, like, Oh yeah. And then when Chris said this, like, I could just, I could feel your eyes rolling into the back of your head. And it's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, they know us on that level. Now they've listened to enough of our conversations where like that person hasn't seen us talk in person. They've only like they know us both individually, but they haven't, you know, been around us in that scenario. So, so I just think it's it it is it is cool, and I think the like the really nice thing, you know, about Chris's shop and some of the other ones, you know, that I mentioned is like it is absolutely that, and it's kind of like it's it, it's that really interesting push and pull between, you know, you're trying to find things that you really like and that you're really excited about, but then you're also being like, I'm also running a business and I need to find things that people that. <laughs> are going to be interesting to my customers and then also bring in the new people and stuff like that. And I think it's, um, and I think wine has that really, you know, 
really interesting ability to do that because, you know, now more than ever, we're just getting exposed to newer and newer and newer things. It's, you know, I've, I've been a champion of, of Georgian wine for, you know, for the past year and a half. And then, um, just last week, like we got a, we got a brand new set of wines from, um, from Turkey. And so it's kind of like, it's like, okay, all right, let's, let's, let's check these out and and let's, let's see if these suck or not. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. I, you know, I'm curious about that area. I'm curious about Eastern European stuff, Uh, a, because I know nothing about it, but B it's been a couple like dings on my radar that are kind of forcing me to like pay a little bit more attention to it. I, I had an interview um that's going to be in my spring issue so it's kind of wild that i already have it in the bag and it's kind of my white whale one it's uh christian espadal he goes by the name gall and he was in a band gorgoroth and he's in a couple other like you know uh norwegian black metal bands basically and that's kind of uh what he's interested in and what he talked about in his uh you know very much low intervention you know minimal intervention Mm -hmm. organic wines um and a lot of the the country's really like Eastern European. So um, yeah, I, I mean, it's funny cause I feel like in my own zine, like I probably have the worst palette of everyone that's in there <laughs> from people who are writing <laughs> stuff to whatever. Um, but just because, you know, it's like, I, and I think that's actually not the two one horror, but probably like a smart way to view, you know, when you walk into a room, just assume you probably know the least of anyone in there and you can hopefully like glean as much knowledge as possible. Well, and I think, and I, th- and I think that's always like what you what you want to do, right? Is you want to surround yourself with with smarter people and stuff like that, and and I think that's why I've enjoyed my wine journey so much over the past you know year and a half, two years, because like it's a it's an area that I don't have the foundation for, and I'm still learning, and and I'm continuing to learn. And not that I'm not continuing to learn in like the spirits world as well. Like that's absolutely that's absolutely the case. It's just, you know, there's, there's some people who can, you know, and, and Chris is Chris being one of them and, and a few of our other friends that like, you know, we can really have these in-depth talks about spirits, but there's not a lot of them, you know, where it's like, why? And I feel like I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God, just give me all the information. And then if you can make it like digestible in a cool way, like by tying it directly to music, like that's, that's pretty rad. Um, so well, I think that's also yeah. like not a, that's not a, what's the word I'm looking for? A disadvantage, if anything, I think, you know, you always hear about like the guitar player who's a virtuoso and he never took any lessons. And it's because he doesn't have any of those like machinations or blueprints or filters that were just like ingrained in him. And he sort of was Mm -hmm. operating within this paradigm. He's coming from outside of the box, completely looking at things differently. He's playing his guitar right-handed instead of left-handed and it's upside down. And, you know, it's like, that's kind of cool to be, completely new to wine because you'll use descriptors that people will be like what the hell is he talking about but it's dead on (laughs) but they never thought about it because they're coming from it from a more academic or from a more wine perspective and you're coming from a more spirit perspective and it's illuminating and yeah if you could kind of like i think turn people on to it just through looking through a different lens like yeah like with heavy metal then i think it's it's kind of fun and it should you know tug on your should be some mental calisthenics or imagination, you know, workshopping going on there just to kind of keep it, you know, fresh and exciting. And, you know, otherwise it just gets dull. I feel like. Yeah, no, totally. You know, Um, you know, you, you brought up, you brought up um, uh, like tasting notes and people, people being unfamiliar with tasting notes and how to talk about tasting notes. And definitely like within, within our industry, we have a certain like vocabulary, right. And you have a codex for spirits and you got a codex for wine and, probably for sake and whatever else that you're drinking. Right. But a lot, a lot of just the layman doesn't really know how to, how to go about that. And and I think more so in the last like year and a half than like really any other point in time in my career, people have, you know, sort of complained about the lack of their own uh, palate knowledge. And I think my favorite, my favorite way to teach people to, to consume consume booze and talk about it and you know in a way that other people can understand is just talk about their memories like it doesn't matter if it reminds mm-hmm. you of food like tell me about the mm-hmm. time you were playing catch in your backyard with your dad or something like that like that's that's far more interesting <laughs> anyway and it, it leads to a much more interesting conversation than you know than raspberries and petrol like who cares yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. There, no, there's, I, there's think, definitely, I think it's so personal too. a huge part. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and that's it. And, and I think we, and we've discussed that on this podcast, you know, multiple times where, you know, like th- those things are fun, but more often than not, like the best part about, best part about drinking these different things is that like the people that you're with and stuff like that and those experiences that you're creating and stuff. And so, um, those are always my favorite ones. And, uh, we're going to get into our top stories before we do. I want to let you guys know I'm drinking a Beaujolais, uh, tonight. We're, um, we're going to be hosting Thanksgiving for the first time. And everybody keeps telling me that, you know, you need to make sure that you have your Beaujolais for, for your Turkey. And I was like, I was like, okay, this is another wine <laughs> that was like recently introduced to me. And then, um, you know, learning about carbonic maceration and, and all that fun stuff, which, uh, which I've really, I've, I've really enjoyed, um, uh, you know, again, learning about this different stuff and then be like, you know, why is this so different? And so, I want, I, I got to make sure that I describe this, this, this correctly. Right. Because it's, it's basically, you know, your fermentation isn't starting, um, with like the crushing of the grapes, but like the grapes actually go into tanks whole and then they seal it and they fill it with CO2 and they basically like ferment from the inside out and they combust. And it's just, it's just, I don't know. Like when I read that, I just was like, I was like, this is the perfect wine for tonight. Like that's so metal. Like these things blow up in, you know, internally. Yeah, that, so um, you're actually giving me an idea. Like, I think that I, I just want to see the visual of that, you know, like it, like that makes me sound like, you know, like the xenomorph from aliens, like chest bursting, but it's grapes. Or <laughs> you know, it's like, there's, there's an idea there um, that I yeah. think would be cool. Yeah. I, I think it, I think I mean um, I know that I know that in this in this issue, you guys did like the process of wine, and it's like that really oh, cool yeah. fold out poster that you put out, which is which is so awesome. Um, but yeah, I was that as was I was cool, looking yeah. as I was looking this up, and you know, and seeing um, wine enthusiast has a really great article on the. Um, on the on the carbonic maceration and they have like a picture of the grapes like this is one that exploded internally and like this is how it normally would be and you're kind of like you're like yeah this is what i'm here for man like you know i want to i want to learn more about this and then you know on that on that flavor profile you know it takes these these heavier profiles and makes them so much lighter um which is why mm-hmm. it makes sense that that this would go really well with turkey so for so for our listeners i'm i'm doing the um the Beaujolais from Andre Cologne. Uh, and it's just, it's super great. It's this family has been producing forever. And um, their village that they're in is actually surrounded by Beaujolais crew fields. Like theirs isn't, but everything around them is. So kind of like by proxy, like you're getting the best of the best, but you're not mm-hmm. paying that premium price. So it's kind of a dope little uh, combination there. So again, for, for Turkey day, for everybody, if, you know, make sure you grab yourself a, a bottle of Beaujolais cause this stuff is, it's so rad and it's, it's a great pairing. But with that said, I think it's time for our opinions on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. <laughs> Okay, so in our first story, we actually are going to bring it back to the spirits world. Um, this is a brand that both Chris and I care a lot about, despite the fact that it's a behemoth. And um, that is Bacardi has named a brand new master blender. And it's going to be Astrofel Troy Arquiza. Um, and he is going to be replacing uh, Jose Cumez, who was with Bacardi for 41 years. Uh, and he's stepping down. Uh, Troy will be stepping into that, into that position. Uh, he's been with Bacardi for the past 20 years and he's actually from the Philippines as well. So he'll be leading the new team. He'll be putting his stamp on obviously one of the most storied brands, uh, in the entire world. Um, so with, with that being said, Chris, what are some of your thoughts, uh, when it comes to, you know, Troy taking over as the brand new master blender, like what kind of changes do you see in the future of Bacardi? Well, I, what one of the things that I find really cool about this is uh, Bacardi, as as large as it is, when you're in Puerto Rico, like the distillery in Catania is is very family oriented, and people who are there are there, um, you know. Perfect example is you know Troy's worked there for twenty years, right? So he's clearly 
dedicated and clearly knows his stuff and, and has, has earned his spot here, uh, which makes this really cool. I, I also am, um, I don't, you know, I, I'm excited to see, um, the, the modernization of Bacardi as it, as, as it moves into, you know, the, 22nd century what is that where we are now are we in 20 are we in the 21st century where, what are we i don't know we're in the future uh as we are now um you know and and as they they're you know they're they're following a little bit of like the donku framework of releasing you know barrel um barrel finished rums what have you um I, i'm excited to see what they do you know and and under new leadership um really experimenting and pushing pushing rum to a, to a new level. And if there's anybody that can do it, it's going to be Bacardi just because, you know, they vastly outsell anybody else in the world, the entire fucking world, right? Like that they're, they're as big as you can possibly get and they still produce good juice. And I know people are going to hate me for it, but you know what? (laughs) Drink a mojito with something else. I don't know. Like, like Bacardi, (laughs) Bacardi is iconic for a reason. It's delicious. Yeah, I think I mean I I think with something like this, you know, you're 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 looking at the master blender part of it and and we've talked about this many times before like to be a master blender is without question one of the most difficult jobs, if not the most difficult job when it comes to production and stuff like that, creating that consistent flavor profile across thousands upon thousands of barrels and and things like that. I mean, you know, my first my first thought is like, you know, when I, when I think about Bacardi is, is always just like, wow, you know, the super rich history. Then you're kind of like, I was like, oh, I wonder if he has anything to do with the Bacardi flavors. Like, does he get those questions or is that just like all marketing? I, yeah, that's really funny. You know? I was I was wondering the same thing is like, does he have to, does he have to like go and like make sure all the lemons across the board are still taste like Bacardi Limon? Like, is that, yeah, is that right? Like, like it. Like Thursday, Thursday is Limon Day. Like that would suck. <laughs> that would suck. Just like destroy your palate every week. Okay. So, um, but but I do think that this like this this actually has some parallels to um, to the music industry, Stacey. And I and I and I and my thought was uh, even and this is actually very new to me. Um, it's kind of like you know you have this well established bland, this band and then they replace their lead singer. You know where it's like. <laughs> You're like, okay, a lot of the components are still the same, but now the person at the forefront of the band is uh, is completely changing. So, I mean, and we see this in the wine world as well. Like, can you think of any examples of like, you know, maybe people who who switched their 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 top winemaker and and maybe it became better or like they were able to can keep the consistency? I mean, does anything pop in your head? That's a great question, um, and I can think of examples, but the caveat is it's hard to think of an example when the switch has happened so deep or so late into the career of the band. Like, you know, I think like Bruce Dickinson with Iron Maiden, you know, people, some people think he's always been their lead singer. It's like, well, actually, no, he, he wasn't their first singer, but for most of the band's life, he's been their singer. So to think of an example where the band's been long established for years or decades, and then they had that that iconic, you know, frontman position that gets switched. That's that's a tall order, and I can't really think of a good example. Um, and I mean, there's examples, but I would say like a good example where like it either towed the line or elevated them even. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of a trickier, uh, yeah, that's like a trickier order. I, I know it's not a complete apples to apples uh, analogy, but it's a great question because like we were saying earlier, it kind of gets your brain working and thinking and computating in a new way that you're kind of challenged to sort of like, you know, uh, problem solve a bit. But I do like the idea that Bacardi's doing this because the first thing that came to my mind, and I'm, you know, not as much of a spirit guy as, as, as either of you, but it kind of made me think, and this is real like uh, biology, anthropology, it's sort of like thinking about a gene pool and how if it doesn't have diversity at some point in time, you know, it's just going to sort of fizzle (laughs) or it's just going to stagnate. It might not, Hmm. let's say change, but if change is the constant, the the whole universe, it's ecosystem is going to like evolve beyond it. And it's just going to be sort of stuck. And yeah, I mean, that's maybe an an exaggeration, but like, 
I I can only help but think that this is a good thing for Bacardi because if they're just gonna be status quo for another you know 40 years or whatever it is you think their competition is gonna do that too I, I don't think so you know I think every I think you know people's palates change and things are cyclical and there's trends that come and go and you know they kind of need to be um, introducing some new you know new blood into that that pool so uh i yeah it's cool i i i, I think it's a cool thing you know, I, lo- really I love the genetic diversity thing like that's so rad <laughs> like that's just such a cool way of 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 looking at it you know where it's just like yeah like this is this is something that needs to happen and, and picardi is one of the most established brands and one of the most recognized um you know it's it's constantly rated as like one of the most recognized logos in the world is the bacardi mm-hmm. bat you know like that is something that like a lot of people do immediately do so i i, I like that chris i'm sorry I, I i cut you off what what were you about to say uh you know uh, talk, talking about uh you know bands changing musicians and and what have you uh and assuming that you know the musicians still alive and they don't, they don't die right um, you don't, you don't like typically find that in the, in, in like the spirits world where, um, you know, somebody changes positions and they like leave and they go to a different distillery or something like that. Um, usually it's, it's, it's like this where, where someone has been there for 40 years and they retire and they're happy and then their predecessor takes over. But in like bands that, you know, that happens, and it happens a lot in wine, and I never thought about this until until we were just having this conversation. But uh, recently, somebody somebody gave me the advice to fall in love with wine makers and not wine brands, um, because the wine brands mm-hmm. will always betray you, but the wine makers will will like keep you keep you uh, enthusiastic for the rest of your life. And and I find that parallel so uh, so clear tonight with you know, drawing that parallel between musicians and, and winemakers, you just, you find someone who really I definitely knows heard how to that do before. I've heard that where, you know, I kind of, I'm always skeptical or somewhat dubious uh, with some winemakers when they're kind of jumping around a lot too, where it's like, Oh yeah, I worked there for a couple of years. And then I wasn't over there and I was there for a few years. And then I got, you know, it's like, uh, and I, I wonder sometimes too, if the, the winery owner, or whoever is kind of calling the shots uh, wants to clip some winemakers wings a little bit, or just force the round peg into a square hole and say, my winery is known for like Napa Oki cabs. And I need to, you know, like that's what you need to do. And I could see someone's creativity being stifled and they might just grin and bear it and have a nice paycheck. Or they might say, this isn't the place for me. I want to do these kinds of wines. And that's where I, yeah, definitely agree with you, Chris. You want to like follow the, that, that winemaker, you know, it's like, um, you know, like an author or, or something yeah. where you can kind of like, you know, kind of see that thread of continuity, whether they're writing a sci-fi or a horror or whatever, or at least it's just a quality, you know, maybe that's what it is. The, 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 the common thread is like, whatever they're doing, it's going to be good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It It's so funny because nothing about the wine world unless you're in it has anything to do with the winemaker. It's all brands all over the place, right? Like unless you're like diving mm-hmm. deep into mm-hmm. a story about, about a, you know, a place or, you know, like Josh's vineyard named after his dad. Right. That's, that's the most that you mm-hmm. get. <laughs> right. Uh, until yeah. you're, until you're actually in it and you're like, you're going to visit wineries and you're, you know, reading wine enthusiasts or, uh, vine pair or whatever. Yeah. And that goes back to what we were saying earlier. Like, I mean, I, I've geeked out hard where you just mentioned how people will have their finger to the pulse and they count on you at your wine shop or reading a magazine or following people whose opinions they trust. And on the music side of it, you know, it was like me looking at a CD like liner notes and seeing like, who was in the thank you credits and what band t-shirts are they wearing? And if I think they're cool and they think that they're cool by the transitive property, I should probably check them out then. You know, it's like yeah. kind of doing that thing. And so that's kind of how I feel like, you know, you you kind of have that same geekery or that nerdy, that nerdism where it's like, whether it's wine or it's whiskey or it's heavy metal or it's cigars or it's coffee, all these things people can obsess about that 
that that encyclopedic tendency is sort of the same across you know all those things it's that you know kind of um insatiable you know yeah man nerds unite (laughs) (laughs) yeah the 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 other thing i want to highlight is you know um as as i pointed out uh, astrofell is is from the philippines and um you know, over over the past year, there's there's been a lot more uh, emphasis on giving credit to uh, people from the Philippines and their contributions to the spirits industry and how it for whatever reason, it's kind of like this really overlooked um, part of spirits history, even though like uh, especially when it comes to like agave production, for example, you know, the reason that we move from fermented pulque into tequila mezcal and these different things is because of because of filipinos and they brought over their stills with them and they showed people like hey this is how you take that fermented fruit and then make it stronger and get drunker um mm-hmm. you know or the contributions to the tiki world you know with most of the most of the bartenders being filipino you know, tucked in the back of of um trader vix and stuff like that uh or no beach beach uh Don the Beach cover, his spot, not, not Trader Mix. So, um, so I, I do think it's kind of cool. It's like it's like it's like all right, man. Here's here's another major player from um, from the Philippines who is you know contributing now to the biggest rum in the world. You know, is now ran by a Filipino guy. Like that's just that's super cool. And um, and I know a couple of friends are going to be super stoked on that as well. So um, we definitely want to make sure that we that we highlight. Highlight that as well. So, congratulations to Astrofell. Like, we're super, super excited to see what you come up with and what um, you know, whatever his, whatever like his truly like his first project is. I know I'm, I'm definitely going to buy a bottle. So, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Same. <laughs> Wrong one. My bad. <laughs> Get the right one. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> That's much better. It gets me in the mood a little bit more. Um, okay. So, uh, our next story is, is actually about a up and coming wine region, which again, I think is, you know, uh, another, another great reason to have, uh, Stacey on for this one and basically reads as Virginia has become East coast hottest wine region, which I think is kind of funny. Cause it's like, you know, we're, you're like, you're like, what are we talking about here? Like East coast wines and I know I definitely have my my bias, but it listed all of these different reasons. Um, and this was actually this was on um, Vine Pair, which has become one of my favorite resources as of as of recently uh, about why Virginia is this up and coming place. And you know, a lot of it has to do, of course, with its uh, with its terroir, um, its proximity to people, uh, the price point, the variety of different uh, grapes that they have right now, and then also just the lack of the pretentious nature that maybe sometimes we experience here in california um you know maybe i'm just gonna throw that out there i don't know if it's hit walla walla yet you know, so <laughs> give us the, the updates there but um but yeah you know I, I just thought it i thought it was a really interesting it was an interesting read and as we find new things to get up to um stacy i'm gonna put it to you first have you had any wine from virginia uh i've had one and um the and it's kind of a cheat because the main reason i had it is there is one in my newest issue and it references this varietal in that article you mentioned um and i hope i pronounced it right but um the vermentino uh grape which um yeah it's a little um it's kind of stomping grounds uh italy so a lot of times um and at least what i've gleaned from the folks that have tried it is um weren't expecting much but got really surprised when that was the one that kind of jumped out to him from virginia um uh, i thought it was good i i enjoyed it too and that that's kind of my uh limited knowledge of that region i do think it's funny uh not to sound snooty or catty but when you mentioned the title of the article i kind of had that same reaction where it was like the hottest new east coast wine region and i'm thinking like how many wine regions are on the East Coast? Like, <laughs> it's like three. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I and I'm totally being like pithy, but it was, um, yeah. That, I mean, uh, they check a lot of the boxes. I, the article I thought was cool. It, made, it kind of made the point about you know it's sort of this Venn diagram where it's like 
the climate and the price point and you know the the, the attitude and all those things kind of like you know that sort of sits right in the middle I yeah feel like, i thought, I I feel thought like the, the article the, omitted omitted one key factor in this which is virginia is near dc and there's a fuckload of money in dc and that, <laughs> that money definitely bleeds out into virginia and especially if you're looking at something as um bougie as wine right like like there's definitely money there for investments there's definitely money for for uh you know selling your wine you know they in in the article they talked about you know they're selling wines at at california prices and i was like hang on what's that mean they're like well there's a 160 dollar <laughs> bottle i was like oh yeah yeah that holds up <laughs> yeah that's definitely yeah. California prices. <laughs> um, yeah but who's, like, who's know, gonna pay for it it's like folks from dc of course Right. And I, th- and I think that like one of the things that they point out, you know, is that, um, you know, they do have, you know, ki- like it, it doesn't, it doesn't get the freezing temperatures of, of New England. It does, but it doesn't get like, you know, hot and muggy you know, from the South. It kind of has like this little pocket where, you know, it has like these nice cool temperatures that just kind of maintain. And then the other thing, you know, so kind of expanding upon your point, Chris, where it's like, you know, it's not only, you know, yeah, you have Washington DC money, but, you know, I think they pointed out that, you know, half the U.S. population can make it there in less than a day, right? And that obviously that shows you like how how crowded the East Coast is. But also oh, yeah. at the same time, it's like you you do have this you do have this big uh, reach. Now the last point in it was you know they are working on distribution, but right now I think they said only fifteen percent of their sales are going are like out of state right now. So there's still um, there's still tremendous runway for them to grow and for them to, you know, to try different things and, and get in different spots. And, and, and I've actually been, I'm super open-minded to it. I would love to try some, some Virginia wine. Like I know that uh, recently in terms of tasting things from weird U S states, it's like the, was it grew it from New Mexico? I mean, who would have thought yeah. that was going to be good? Like I definitely didn't, I, def- <laughs> I, I wasn't going to be like, Oh yeah, New Mexico, that, that totally luscious wine country, you know, but that's like a really cool, <laughs> cool sparkling that they came up with uh out there so i'd be interested to try try these ones and stuff like that so so stacy how did how did that i mean i know you're, you're you're gonna have it in the magazine but like how does that conversation start so if it's like you know so obviously mm-hmm. we're talking about like a pretty unknown region and they're like you're like you know what we need to do we need to be in that metal wine magazine that's what we need to do <laughs> so how does how does that conversation happen it, and it was it was almost like eerie how easy it was um because i cold called them and they were actually a recommendation from um the segment has two master psalms and they essentially recommend a wine for the beer lover like here's your gateway wine or here how here's a wine to convert you or if you're more of a beer guy like try these ones out mm-hmm. and um doug frost is one of them and andy myers was the other and so I guess maybe that made it easy to sort of say, Hey, this master Psalm. And for those who don't know, there's like 249 in the world. Um, it's very, it's like the highest level of uh, academic attainment that you can have. And, Oh, I guess they just have a few more that just passed recently. Anyway, it's a really elite uh, group of people. And so by having one of them say, Hey, we want to give your wine a little bit of attention, but I called them up and said, just that we're doing this feature and your wine was picked and they sent a couple bottles over and it was the Vermentino. Um, and I forget what he said exactly, but he kind of had a little paragraph that sort of explained why this might be good for, for the beer drinkers to, to try. Um, but it kind of, you know, I, I just have to kind of like chuckle quietly to myself because that was a great example. And then there's been wineries that I was sure there were going to be an easy layup and they'd be on board and totally wanted to do something. And they were kind of snooty or snobs. And then, you know, there's ones that you kind of figured it's an uphill battle and they were like the coolest ever. And it was no big deal. And for, yeah, for me coming to Washington state and calling up, you know, she sounded like a little old lady on the phone <laughs> at the, at the winery. I forget what the winery was <laughs> in Virginia. Um, and she was just like, okay, yeah, great. What's your address and ship it on over. And, and there they are. So the, it was, it was as open and closed and just cut and dry as I could have ever wanted it to be. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I need to learn a little bit more about Virginia wine. It's one of those things. It's like, you'll, it, you, there's not enough time 
there's no hours in the day to kind of do all that drinking and, or I should say research, uh, that you want to <laughs> do. Right. A bit of education. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely research, you know, so, so this is un, unrelated, but just kind of like, you know, your, your perceptions and stuff like that, you know, with the magazine has, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then also just with your background too, like, is there a musician that you can think of that you're kind of like surprised that they're like that into wine? Like it caught you off guard that, you know, that, you know, that maybe they've approached you over the past year and kind of be like, Oh man, like I'm actually really interested. And you're like, really? Like I never would have paid you as a wine person. Is there anybody <laughs> like that? The one I would say it's kind of a, a cop out to your question because I did know this person was into wine, but just not to the level or the degree that, that was in my issue three, which came out in the spring of this year, uh, that was uh, Maynard from Tool. He, um, I think, is, is well known. I mean, he's in a documentary about wine and stuff. So people know he's into it, but he is like very knowledgeable. His his winery isn't even just like a winery. I mean, that sounds kind of cute compared to what it actually is. It's basically a farm. I mean, they're growing lots of different things there. Um, it's a full on agricultural bonanza i mean he's racking he's pressing he's pumping over he's doing i mean it's like getting lots of dirt under his fingernails and it's not just like lip service and, or he's having some kind of goons do the work for him that was cool i mean in hearing him talk about like technical data and stuff um when i interviewed him you know things that go over my head um so just to know that you know and not that i had any doubts but just like okay he's 100% real and that that was cool um try to think who might have like surprised me um that like you know I maybe wouldn't have guessed I kind of feel like I don't know it, wine is getting a little bit more of its tendrils in into metal and I think that's what I've kind of been hearing a little bit more and it could just be you know idle chit chatter but people that like for example some with beer and craft beer like sours kind of have gone through their limelight and being trendy. I kind of feel like a lot of like winemakers that are into those are kind of like getting enamored with wine a little bit more now. Um, again, these things could be a flash in the pan or it could be a direction, you know, that things are going into. Um, so yeah, I, I'm trying to think if there's other guys, uh, musicians that have surprised me. I think, um, yeah, I, I my, my wife and I kind of joke with like the people that I might geek out with or like be starstruck from are like really small or underground or independent musicians that no one would know. No one really recognize, but I would be like, you know, really giddy about. So it, it would probably, I, I don't know who it would be, but it probably would be <laughs> no one, anyone would recognize. Um, but I mean, maybe that person is going to be in the next issue coming up. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I've, well, we're looking forward to it, uh, you know, regardless. And that's that's actually really cool to hear about Maynard as well. Like, because, yeah, seeing the documentary, you're kind of like, you're like, oh, I wonder how much of this is is really kind of like, you know, just fluff and lip service and, and stuff like that. But if he's uh, really getting after it, like, that's rad. So that that's. What oh, and I guess I was like, sorry to interrupt, but like yeah. to kind of like really punch it home is like his um his wife reached out to me so that was kind of cool because i i didn't really seek it out like she bought a bunch of copies of it It was like this is awesome like this is so cool i was like oh wow and then you know i didn't really it didn't really hit me until i saw her name and i was like oh it's like it's his wife and i was like oh that's cool and then i think she bought the next one and then i just happened to like because we were emailing hey does he want to be in one maybe like in the (laughs) next one and she's like yeah i think so let me just let me just check with his publicist or something. And it kind of came together. And um, not, I was actually kind of nervous interviewing him just because and I shouldn't have done this, but it's like kind of hard to when like, you know, it's like when you go on vacation somewhere and everyone jumps out of the woodwork with, to give you their opinion, like, Oh, you know what you need to do? You need to go here. Oh, Oh, you got to check out this thing. And you're just like, ah, da, 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 this, let me, you know, that's great. A recommendation too is fine. But like, then you start to get like, you know, annoyed or you're in your own head and you're kind of overthinking things. And that was kind of what happened a little bit with, with Maynard. Cause I was just like, people were wanting me to ask this or ask that, or um, I heard he doesn't want to talk about this or he doesn't, you know, if you're going to talk about wine, like don't talk about music at all. Or, you know, just like 
oh god just let me do this thing so you're you know so my interview with him was like great because he was magnanimous but from me you know hearing back my recording and transcribing it i'm like god i sound so like sterile like i am not reading a cue card right now you know and (laughs) fortunately it doesn't it doesn't read that way but that's kind of like uh you know kind of how it felt in the moment but um yeah super super cool dude and 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 like you know i mean it's beyond him too i think if you are the company you keep which i definitely believe in that old adage um that's the same thing like with his staff and like he's got a winery but he's also got a cool tasting room and stuff and they've all been like complimentary and supportive which is cool that's awesome that's that's so cool chris do you have any more thoughts on virginia wine uh yeah just that when we were when i was reading through it uh one of the wineries that um mentioned one of our favorite uh local distributors uh, that they work with so i'm going to be reaching out to one of our favorite listeners uh, mr uh, mr travis baker here very soon and seeing uh, seeing what we can get out of his portfolio to sample well that guy's the worst i know <laughs> but it's good that the rest of the world now knows that that's fantastic right we've done our best we've we've done our best former former guest travis baker if you ever listened to that episode super super rad one um I actually uh, got. I was I was going through our Instagram the other day, and was trying to do like a couple different promoted things, which it's really hard if you have any booze related in your in your content. And uh, one of the things that they that I had missed from a few weeks ago when Travis was on was that it was just like it was like, hey, is this a spokesperson for you? Because the picture that we used for Travis looked very spokesperson esque. Um, so I just was like, no, thank God he's not. Cause we would, we would not be doing well on, <laughs> on the show. So, um, but no, Travis is great. So yeah, we'll have to make sure that he gets us some, some, uh, you know, some cool wines from Virginia so we can, we can try those, but I think, you know, check it out. It's on, it's on vine pair. You know, you can read all the rest of the reasons that it's the new hot spot for East coast wineries. Yeah, we're we're gonna drop that uh, that link into the into the show notes so everybody can find that. You know who's dope? Them over there. Okay, so now <laughs> it's time for one of my favorite segments, which is where we are gonna give you uh, somebody super dope for you to follow. It could be an Instagram, another podcast. Um, it could be uh, maybe a magazine that brings together both wine and heavy metal music um you know it could be any one of these different things that 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 we're into so these are our dope follows um stacy we're going to start with you man who who's your dope follow who, sh- who should our listeners check out oh man so um i would say my well um i always got to think about the team for me and i would say if you have a listener that is uh, listening to this and not following shitty wine memes. Yeah. Uh, they need to fix that immediately because um, uh, she's, she's great. It's, you know, kind of like she and I have had conversations about trying to take the temperature down a little bit and have fun in this. This shit should be enjoyable. It shouldn't be, you know, laborious or what's the point if we're just like, you know, bitter curmudgeons that are just you know sticks in the mud so uh shitty wine memes you definitely have to follow she actually just she's like huge now she's like yeah that's why i would be surprised if you had listeners that didn't follow her because she has like fifty thousand followers on instagram now um and true to the name you know it's wine memes and i like that you know they're her content's original it doesn't take like the low road or it's not like um what's like a term i saw recently it it doesn't get mean you know it doesn't like you know like pile on someone or whatever um so i would say definitely follow shitty wine memes um because yeah she's uh, really knowledgeable about wine too and kind of like you know takes the piss out of some of the snootery and snobby stuff which is kind of part of blood of gods too is you know, because you'll see elitist in anything ranging from whiskey to wine, like we mentioned, like whatever something can be geeked out about comic books, for example, like anything, there could be people that are elitist and snobs and 
you know, I'm like the, the Terminator. Like when I see that there's like a prime directive, like flips in me and I'm just like, I need to take this person down a peg now. And that's kind of yeah. like where I, you know, I kind of see it in heavy metal and it's always annoying, especially when I think about, you know, some, it's someone's first day right now. And this is what they get exposed to is just this, this garbage. And so it always kind of annoys me. And, you know, it's nice to know that, you know, there's some levity and merriment and frivolity in this, um, in this world of wine, which is, you know, going through some growing pains, but I think it's, it's, it's good stuff for it. And, um, I'm kind of getting a little long winded, so I'll just wrap it up and say shitty wine memes, uh, definitely follow them. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of my favorite accounts. I love that account. Yeah. If anybody's not following that one, you need to fix that as soon as possible. Um, Chris, who's your don't follow this week? Uh, before I get to that, I'm going to, I'm going to follow up with Stacey said, which is, which is, I really, um, I think one of my favorite things about blood of gods is how, uh, unpretentious it is. Um, not only is like, Oh, cool. Thank you. Graphically impressive and a lot of fun, but, uh, in the last episode, your, uh, your, um, primary, uh, wine reviewer is, uh, is a porn star. Mm-hmm. Yep, who's studying, studying oh, yeah. for her, for her W set, which mm-hmm. is yeah, fantastic. That's, that's, that's just like, fun. Yeah, it was kind of like a, you know, just another like. I hope people just completely rubberneck how surprising that is, you know, and just makes them do a double take because she actually won a contest. I forget when. I think it was like maybe the earlier this year, uh, where she got a free copy of it, and then I saw that she studied like food and food science or nutrition and she's got a WSET something and I was yeah. like huh and then she's she's a she's in porn or she's a you know porn star or whatever you want to call it like I sound like I'm a grandpa right now but she basically <laughs> is like uh uh very uh very cool and got you know uh, a good palate and so I kind of liked that I mean and she and I had mentioned you know mentioned that too I was like you know with you guys in this podcast and with shitty wine memes and with the zine or whatever, if like everyone can just like kind of help push the dial a little bit, you know, just like yeah. kind of to be more inclusive and fun and stuff. So I, that was cool. It was, you know, and I, I hope it comes through that she's not like a novelty or something. It's like, Oh, she's actually, Oh no, she, she actually two good reviews and yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, that's, okay, uh, so cool. so my uh, my dope follow is an Instagram. Um, I, I don't. Uh, what do I say? An Instagram uh, influencer. Uh, and, oh boy! And, Here and, we go. And she she is an influencer for other Instagram influencers. So her whole thing is showing people how to do like uh, edits on Instagram and and make their make their um, pages look cool and whatnot. I've learned a lot from her when I've been watching and I've used um, what little I can actually like understand from her because uh, she is levels and levels above my realm of capability within using <laughs> digital assets. Um, but she's very good at what she does. And I really enjoy uh, watching, watching her like live edits as she's, as she's going through. Um, and it's Lindsay Solmer, L I N D S A Y S O L M E R on Instagram. She's really incredible. Um, and, and she's helped my, uh, my Instagram feed quite a bit. Um, and, uh, and, and hopefully other people who are either just creative and just making Instagram stories just cause, or, uh, people who are doing it for their own businesses can, can glean some information and help them out. I'll have to check her out. Very cool. Yeah. I'm gonna check that one out too. It's always good to, you know, that all those all those branding things and you know stuff that we were talking about before we started recording you know like we yeah you know, there's like this is all this is all fun and we we enjoy the hell out of this but like yeah we also are you know trying to make a living on all this stuff too so um uh, we get a little bit of edge digitally i'm in so that's that's a good one so so Lindsay lindsey solmer for instagram yeah. awesome what about oh, you Joe? and that gal you mentioned chris uh i don't think I said her name and I should probably give her credit. Uh, Adrena Winters is her name. Oh, that's right. Just in case yep. I didn't mention that. And I want to give everyone their, their fair share. We're going to reach out to Adrena and see if she'll join us on the Good Bottle Podcast. I think that'd be fucking rad. 
Um, so. Oh yeah, and know, she's British, we'll so you got the awesome accent on top of the whole thing. You know, I love that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> done, done, fucking deal. Um, there, there we go. Uh, that okay, might be so, too uh, for us. That's that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Um, okay, so mine mine is also uh, an Instagram, and I actually just got introduced to this yesterday. Um, it's it's the account is called Best Cities of Europe. And, um, I came across it because actually the first, the first post that I saw was from, was actually from Alsace and, and, uh, you know, Alsace has, has also been like, kind of like my deep dive on French wine over the past, you know, two months. So that's like been a big, been a big part of it, right? Like I've really fallen in love with, with Alsace and like its history and stuff like that and how it just doesn't really, you know, necessarily have an identity, whether that be French or German and kind of both and all this different stuff. But the, um, the first post that I saw from them was, uh, was different, um, different villages throughout Alsace that were decorated for Christmas. And it just is like the most intense decorations you've ever seen in your life. Um, but it just looks absolutely incredible so if like you're not familiar with with Alsace in France um it's just it's just like you know everything that you would imagine like kind of old old world Europe looks like is exactly what Alsace is um so so yeah again uh best cities of Europe is is uh is my Instagram account it's super dope so everybody should follow it Yo, I found that I found that post that you were talking about. That is incredible. I mean, these are this is looks like it's got got taken at Disneyland or something. This is nuts. Yeah, it's it's obnoxious. Like it's how how like intense it really is. But um, there was a there was another one that they did. I think today. I think it was like in Amsterdam or something like that. And uh, it was just it's just really cool. And you know, there's just such a rich history, obviously, all throughout Europe. And so. Um, the photos are beautiful and I just was like, I was like, Oh, this, this makes me happy. So people should check this out. <laughs> That's kind of, kind of my feeling there, but those are, red. you know what? All of those ones, those are some pretty dope follows. Chris, what was the name of that, uh, person you're following? Lindsay, Lindsay Solmer at Solmer S O L M E R. Oh, okay. The music for the Good Bottle Podcast has been orchestrated by the Moore Brothers and produced. You know what? It's getting better. Uh, uh, pretty pretty <laughs> less awkwardly by us two guys. And before we go kill these bottles that we've been drinking, we ask that if you've enjoyed tonight's episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review to all your friends. It, it really does make a huge difference to please rate and review and share, but definitely, definitely review. Cause it, it, it helps us climb the charts and, and the numbers are climbing. Everybody we're doing it together. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at the good bottle podcast or on our personal accounts. Mine is D Garrison six. Chris is Chris and flair. Uh, Stacy, where can they find you on, uh, on the interwebs? Uh, on Instagram, it's blood of God's zine. And uh, that's probably the best way to reach me. Um, and if anyone ever wants to uh, contact via email, it's just bloodofgodzine at gmail.com. Awesome. Uh, you can uh, you can support the podcast by visiting our Etsy shop. You can be you can become one of those self proclaimed uh, booze pundits, or you can get yourself the dopest fanny pack ever created. Um, so check out our Etsy. Just look for the Good Bottle Podcast, and uh, you can also. Uh, check out anchor.fm slash good bottle podcast and you can donate uh, donate funds there we can go out and buy cool things um, like Virginia uh, Virginia wine that's what we're going to go buy with it all the money so <laughs> Uh, if you would like for us to cover a story you're working with a brand that wants to be featured please email us at the good bottle podcast at gmail.com and as a reminder, you can purchase the bottles that we drank on this episode at thegoodbottleshop.com. And until next time, cheers, guys. Cheers, fools. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, that was awesome. You have like way cooler friends than us. That's what I. That's what <laughs> I learned. That's what I learned.